Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. It's all about the rock and roll today. Classic album Clash returns with an amazing battle between two 80s Aerosmith classics, Permanent Vacation and Pump. And I got the guys from Pot of Thunder returning to help determine which Aerosmith album comes out on top. Uh, the Garlic Dragon, Nick, uh, your buddy Andy, America's little brother, and of course the mysterious breakout star of the podcast realm, Chris L., are back to do the usual album cover comparisons analyze the production uh, and songwriting, and of course take part in the infamous song-by-song breakdown. And like with all the classic album clashes, we've got some great stories and trivia to share, and a lot of ridiculousness that may or not involve, <laughs> may or may not involve Macaulay Culkin, actor and comedian Tyler Perry, the Harold and Kumar movies, classic 80s mixtape, and a couple of broken hearts. One of them may or may not have been mine. So let's get to the classic album clash, Aerosmith edition, right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, every time I come to Chicago, one of my favorite things to do is uh, hang out with the fine uh, gents from Pot of Thunder, uh, Nick, Andy, and the illustrious and mysterious Chris L. And I usually do their show, which is called Pot of Thunder, and um, I figured it was time for them to stop being so selfish mm-hmm. and bring it on back over here to talk as Jericho. They were here last time when we did Kiss Alive versus Kiss Alive 2, which was a very monumental show. And uh, we're going to continue uh, doing the classic album Clash with uh, with Aerosmith. Yes, thanks for having us back. No, but how did this come up with the Aerosmith again? What are we doing? We're huge fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, originally we were supposed to have Charlie from Anthrax join us. Yep. And we said, what's your favorite bands? And he listed like Depeche Mode and The Cure and Le Zeppelin and Aerosmith. And I was like, oh. And then we were thinking, what Aerosmith song should we do? Mm-hmm. And then we came up with doing like an 80s one, and I pitched it to him, and he's like, I don't really know 80s Aerosmith. So. <laughs> yeah, and you, you gave him a migraine with that. And that's <laughs> he he ran. We heard of him. He ran screaming. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, any normal person would have assumed it would be toys versus rocks. But it's not how we rolled. No, though. why? Why? You know why I mean? do the obvious? Right. And we were always into the 80s versions of bands, and Aerosmith is one of those bands, much like Kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, ZZ Top, Van Halen, that kind of reinvented themselves for the time and, dare I say, became way bigger in the 80s than they ever were in the 70s? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think think that's accurate. That's when they crossed over to pop, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like the, I guess you'd say real hair metal, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Kind of that glammy, Mm -hmm. the the Desmond Child. We all know Desmond from from the stuff he was Kiss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I think when... We ever do we we do these shows? We talk about wh- when did you first hear this record, hear this band, and I'll start because I remember you uh, hearing about Aerosmith, and I had one video that was from when uh, Joe Perry had left. It was called Lightning Strikes. Mm-hmm. So it's Aerosmith with two other guitar players. Yeah. So I was never really into Aerosmith, uh, and then of course when you started hearing, I think it was Dude Looks Like a Lady was the first one, and then realized because the radio stations gave him a big push at the time frame and that's kind of when i got into aerosmith from this era on how about you nick um i definitely got into them this era on i actually brought along even though we can't play it on anything my original Cassettes, cassette yeah. from I had back this then too. and uh, unfortunately i dropped it because uh on the jewel case it had aerosmith logo in yellow what printed on the plastic printed on the, on, the pla- pla- on the actual jewel case and i dropped it like this first day i had oh so this is a different no this is well it's a different jewel case right. unfortunately so i'm still mourning the loss it's of so that. weird holding a cassette in in right. my hand like i used to have all cassettes right and it just seems so like 
a relic from the past. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense no. at all whatsoever. <laughs> and um, um, also uh, MTV, big MTV kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Dude looks like a lady. Huge. Um, huge. Um, wanted to wanted to mimic it on stage for the talent show in second grade. <laughs> nice. My older brother, Jay, who's behind me right now, talked me out of it because of all, all the references to do me, do me, do me all night. <laughs> Figured it wasn't a good idea. It's a for, rare moment of responsibility from Jay, our brother. Is Jay, is Jay the oldest? Yes. So we have a triple dose of Jones Brothers bullshit today. Yes, yes. you do. That, Chris L is happy that I'm here to help you uh, cut yeah. through the, the shit. The Chris's versus the Jones. That's right. You're going to need another Chris. Well, as we established the last time we did this, that you're actually my brother. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. brother, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we're trying to... Illegitimate brother. Right. Get that DNA lineage uh, proven <laughs> so I can uh, start tapping into that income stream. I mean, the, re- the resemblance is uncanny. So. Yeah, it is. <laughs> if you guys didn't hear the one we did on Pot of Thunder for, uh, was it Billy Squire? Yeah, Rock Me Tonight. Rock Me Tonight. And th- that was Ted Irvin's debut in Pot of Thunder. Never had seen Billy Squire or heard of him. And it was just one of the best shows. So funny. It was an awesome one. <laughs> Great times. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Uh, uh, well, growing up in uh, Detroit in the 70s, uh, oh, wow, right. obviously Aerosmith was constantly on album-oriented rock radio, uh, all the stations. Um, so, I mean, I definitely got my fill of of them on the radio, um, which is why I didn't really own too many of their albums. I could hear their music whenever I wanted on the radio. It, interesting, interestingly enough, the two... Aerosmith albums, the only two I've ever owned, are Rock in a Hard Place. Thanks mainly to Lightning Strikes. Right. I still say that's yeah. the toughest riff they've ever put it's out. A great it's song. a great song. Yeah, I, yeah. I had no idea seeing the video that that wasn't the real Aerosmith. I, I didn't care. Right. Yeah, that's such an ass kicking song. Yeah. It's so great. And then Permanent Vacation because I too was drawn in by Dude Look Like Dude Looks Like a Lady. Mm. Great tune and they were clearly invigorated from the Run DMC. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right, because the Run DMC. That's what really put them back on the map. Because they reunited about 85. With the Dunmouth Dun- Mirrors. Dunmouth Mirrors. Yeah. And then they did the Run DMC thing, which put them on the map. Yeah, and then they took that ball and ran with it. So, right so those are the only two uh, Aerosmith albums I've ever owned. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely appreciate them as the American Stones as their... And I, I'm the same. The only Aerosmith ones I own are the, this era. Permanent Vacation Pump, Get a Grip, and the next one, which wasn't very good, it was called uh, Joy. Hey, just push, just play. push Play. Yeah. How about you, Andy? Well, tagging on to Nick's story, because um, Nick's my older brother. He's three years older. Um, got into Aerosmith from watching MTV, just like pretty much everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like Aerosmith as much as Nick. So once he got the tapes, I would kind of like wander out of the room when he put them on. <laughs> so I think I liked a couple of the videos, but like whole cassette, you know, the whole album. I was like, eh, not into it. Well, they really embraced the video side of things, too. Yeah. And I would have to say, knowing what I know about Aerosmith now, that was probably all Steven Tyler. Mm-hmm. who's was very much the control freak of the band. He has, from what I hear, uh, an actual mic that the techs can hear during live shows saying, Turn the bass down. Turn the lights up. Do this. Do that. Hit the symbol over here. Really? He very much runs the show in that respect. Hmm. And on the videos um, topic there, I I remember seeing something years and years ago on MTV where it's, yeah, they had these great videos. They were in constant rotation. But I remember seeing an interview where Steven Tyler was 
was kind of lamenting the fact that they even had to do them at this point in mm. time because you know back in the day when they started that wasn't part of the business right but um he 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 was explaining it as when you hear a song you should kind of have your own mental image yeah. of what's going on there you you should kind of develop that that's your responsibility and yeah, now we have then, to do it for you but then he got the chance to jam his tongue down a woman's throat in the ragdoll <laughs> video and then have those two bikini chicks doing their thing in love in an elevator right. Uh, suddenly, your own mental picture out the window. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. This is what we want to see, because if, and this is what we want to do. It wasn't going to be that. I mean, no, it wasn't going to be that. Because you remember, we, we keep talking about lightning strikes. You remember the video for that? Yeah. They're like in a 50s street gang. No, right. no chicks exactly. in that one. So he's yeah. probably like, I hate a, this. A reenactment <laughs> of the Lords of Flatbush is not what I want to see. Especially when uh, something like Hot Girls in Love is coming next. Right. It's like, that video's better than Lightning. Yes, Star, they really so. figured it out. Because once again, too, you talk about Aerosmith, they're, they're like, like Cheap Trick. Two good-looking guys, and, well, in this case, three kind of nondescript, borderline ugly guys. Yeah. yeah. So it's all based around, you know, the Mick and Keith of the band, which, sure. of course, is, is Joe Perry and, and, and Steven. Did you guys go to any Aerosmith gigs around this time frame? Not me. Uh, not this time frame. The one time I saw them, we were before we started rolling. We were discussing like some of their opening acts. Yeah, it must have been ninety seven or ninety eight when I saw them. Mm. So I guess after this era that we're discussing yeah. specifically on this episode. But one of the main draws for me was the opening act, which was Monster Magnet. Mm. That Aerosmith crowd did not know what to make <laughs> yeah, of those right, guys, right. man. They're you know second coming of the like a like a space rock stooges. I mean, yeah, this yeah, yeah. Aerosmith crowd coming to hear crying and yeah. all that stuff. They didn't know what the hell. And when I saw it was, was a great mix. It was Skid Row. And like I said, I think it might've been Bon Jovi. I could be wrong about that. It wasn't Bon Jovi, but, but, but like Skid Row and Aerosmith, that's a great film. Sure, yeah. That fits perfectly, you know? It was probably something lame like White Lion and Aerosmith probably in 87. Yeah. White Lion had every tour in Winnipeg. Chris saw reason. White Lion by, on their own headlining. Not really? headlining. I saw them on a bill with Vixen and Ozzy. Oh, that's what it was. No okay. rest for the wicked. Too. That was the bill? It was uh, Vixen, White Lion, Ozzy. Good Lord. That's one of those ones where if I was an Ozzy, well, I am an Ozzy fanatic, I'd be like, this sucks. Vixen was actually pretty good. White Lion, complete yeah. crap. Just yeah. wussified they, garbage. They, like I said, they, as a matter of fact, I'm, I, I know for sure, I think they opened for Aerosmith on the uh, permanent vacation. Then they came back and opened for ACDC. Yeah, terrible. Worst wow. call ever. That's, Get them out. I Run them off the yeah. stage. Well, let me ask you this. Here, here, here's the other one. Uh, Queensryche, Rage for Order era, opening for ACDC and the Who Made Who tour. And then fast forward to White Lion and Aerosmith. Which would be a worse mix? White Lion and ACDC? Oh, sorry. Or White Lion, ACDC, or Queensryche and ACDC? Well, White Lion, yeah, for sure. At least Queensryche so. had some balls to them but i know? get why you would ask that question Some fortitude but they, yeah it was like you know queen's reich is like thinking man's yeah. metal whereas yeah. acdc comes directly from the groin yeah. like right. queen's reich rush would make sense yeah, as far sure. as fan base goes. but that's what i'm saying when it's raised for order queen's reich when they had like the makeup and the you know the costumes and they walk out with angus young it didn't really quite yeah. fit but um, and like I was saying too, like Steven Tyler, great frontman, one of the greatest rock and roll frontmen ever. Mm-hmm. Rest of the guys, not doing a whole hell of a lot on stage. Mm. But no, yeah, we're looking at no. pictures. There's a slideshow behind you with and a lot of photos. And Steven, Steven's dialed in, but uh, 
everyone else just well, hanging and, out. And I, was, I would say Joey Kramer is in the, the number two spot as far as the, he's jacked the, up on the most Joey's, lively and most animated. He's jacked up on Joey's rock and coffee. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start out like we always do and talk about the album covers, and we'll do that after I talk about Fight Camp first. Fight Camp is a workout program that brings the boxing gym right into your house. They provide all the gear, send you boxing gloves, quick hand wraps, and the best freestanding punching bag on the market. They also give you their unique punch tracking sensors that show you real-time progress and stats on your Apple iPhone iPad. They also provide the trainers. you got access to six highly qualified trainers that include a pro MMA fighter and a kickboxing champion of the world. You guys know I've been doing kickboxing and MMA training the last year or so. It's a great workout. I always end up covered in sweat. Also a lot of fun, never boring. I think you guys would like it. So anyways, Fight Camp is a 12-week starter program that teaches you the fundamentals of boxing in workouts that are structured like traditional boxing rounds. You get three minutes of intense boxing and bodyweight exercises and then one minute of rest. Fight Camp is over 400 workouts for all fitness levels and skills. They add new workouts every week. And like I said, you do it right in your own home. No masks, no social distancing required. And Fight Camp offers flexible financing for as low as zero APR. And right now, for a limited time offer, you can try Fight Camp for 30 days with their money back guaranteed. Just go to joinfightcamp.com slash talk. That's joinfightcamp.com slash talk. Try Fight Camp for 30 days, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your money. Train like a fighter and turn your sweat into results. Try Fight Camp for 30 days at joinfightcamp.com slash talk. That's joinfightcamp.com slash talk. So uh, the, the two records in question, uh, like we mentioned, Permanent Vacation, which was uh, August of 1987, mm-hmm. released, and um, Pump, which came out September 89, so about two years later, starting this huge Aerosmith resurgence. And we always like to talk, first and foremost, about the, uh, about the covers. So we got Permanent Vacation, which is the classic Aerosmith logo uh, over top of some strange... Like a shirt that someone well, would have, like a Hawaiian shirt, maybe. In yeah. the in the liner notes, it says tattoo art, so I think it's supposed to be like vintage tattoo shop designs. Oh. That's what that background's supposed to be. But then it's just done in all red. But it's gotcha. like you know, whatever. Well, like, what does world... it have to do with a permanent vacation? Oh, I have no yeah. idea. Well, I don't know if but I just I just opened up. Uh, get a great picture there. of eighty-seven Aerosmith in jail. Maybe yeah. that's the permanent vacation. Well, are they, are they on death row? Like, I, or maybe they just got life. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm looking no at parole. it though, and like you said, Joe Perry, Stephen Tyler, hot, Tom Johannesburg, whatever his name is. <laughs> we'll <laughs> go with Hamilton. Tom Hamilton. Tom Hamilton, Brad Woodford, and uh, Joe uh, are not hot. No, that's, not. that's definitely not. I think maybe yeah. that's what is. Dude, this sounds weird to say this as a heterosexual male, but I think as a kid, I was like, these dudes are ugly. I don't like this band. What? Well, I, I didn't like Black Sabbath for the same reason because I didn't like guys with mustaches in yeah. rock and roll. And they, got, and they had two. Yeah. Geezer Butler and Tony. I don't like mustaches. Yeah. I, I don't like Black Sabbath. Yeah, I only allow one. I'm a Scorpions fan. That's it. One. And it can't be a, a Tony Iommi no. mustache. No, that doesn't work. Gigantic Iommi is the best Iommi. Oh, my but, gosh. Um, now, but when you're a kid, it's yeah, like, that's it, not it cool. So you didn't like ugly... No, no, it bothered me. I didn't right. care for it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, think it's a good or, thing you didn't follow them in the 70s. I mean, they were just destroyed. Like, and Steven Tyler, too, is a lot like Mick Jagger. When you first see him and go, oh my gosh, this guy's super ugly. But then he's got a charisma. He does, oh, yeah. he is a pretty good looking guy. Yeah. Even though now he looks like, I saw a great picture of the other day because uh, he wears his hair kind of in a bun. 
Okay. And it's kind of got like the, the the white stripe yeah, in it and right. stuff. And it says, Steven Tyler looks like that fun aunt, your friend's aunt that would let you drink at parties. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think, I, I don't know. Tom Hamilton might be, he, he's in the middle. Well, he had blonde say. hair. So yeah, the other cover is Pump, uh, which is actually really kind of cool. It's two old cars and one's on top of the other one like he's pumped. Like the car is pumping it from behind. Is that what it is? I, I kind of yeah, that makes sense. I just never sexual in you. Or if you want to do the Bob Scott thing, it's really about pumping gas into the cars, maybe. But okay, you know. okay. But why is one little? Well, I guess it's a little, uh, it's <laughs> little like, guy. Yeah, a little little guy from behind. Okay, pump, pumping hey. you from behind, some little dude. That happens. <laughs> maybe a little, a little person, uh, maybe some kind of midget porn or something. Dudes of all sizes are welcome. And this uh, this <laughs> picture is much more of a beefcake picture with kind of a, the Joe yeah. Perry. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the, arms are out. Yeah, look at that vest that he's wearing. But the things you see the first is Joe Perry and then Brad Whitford. That's hot and definitely not. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. So they put some time into this picture. You can hardly see Steven Tyler. It's terrible. Brad Whitford looks like he should have been on Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> Brad Whitford's like Arn Anderson. He looked old even when he was young. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did. Right? Yeah, yeah. He never ever had this no. had a hot period. No. Um, <laughs> Still coming. All right, uh, Chris L. Uh, possible rant alert. Both albums produced by Bruce Fairbairn. Uh, I got no problem with his production for okay, Aerosmith. Thought- what he did with Kiss is an abomination. Oh, the Psycho Circus. But uh, I mean, clearly he. Had a, played a big part in the band's resurrection. I mean, these these albums sound great. Um, for this show, I revisited them, and like I said, I owned Permanent Vacation. Listening to it again, it's better than I remember it being. Right. And then Pump, I never owned it, but you know the the singles were all over MTV. And then I got into the deep cuts uh, preparing for this episode, and that's another excellent album. Well, I got no qualms with either. And the thing is, too, Bruce Fairbairn was the kind of mentor. It's, it's so small trying to read this in the cassette, but his mentor, uh, Bob Rock, was his mentor. So yeah. Bob Rock mixed, engineered, engineered yeah. worked on all of these records, which is how Bob became Bob Rock as well. So mm-hmm. Bruce Fairbairn not only uh, did a great job producing himself, but also kind of begat um, Bob Rock, yes, which, he is, did. which is very cool. His fellow well. Canadian, correct? Absolutely, from Vancouver. And these, all these records were at Clear Mountain Studios in Vancouver, yeah. including Psycho Circus, which you do not like. Lots of bacchanalia going on in Vancouver, oh, I'm sure. right? The strip I clubs. mean, Bon Jovi did Slippery when wet up there, didn't they? And the crew, also New Jersey. Crew did Feel Good up there. Yeah, you know, I mean, these that, guys did this record. Up, was, these records up here. So ground um, zero for hedonism. <laughs> Canadian version of that. Hey, right. it were all world version by all accounts. I mean, they all went there. Yeah, yeah. And then all I, the most decadent bands of the day recorded. And there was a lot of strip clubs in downtown Vancouver. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend used to work at one. Oh yeah, well, boys working. Girls used to dance at one. Was she the janitor? Or no, she <laughs> she uh, is one of those girls that broke, broke my heart in Calgary, then moved to Vancouver, and I suddenly just coincidentally, hey. Guess what? I'm moving to Vancouver. She's like, uh, really? Yeah, we can, you know, see what happens and maybe go on a date. She's like, no, no, uh, no dates, no nothing. And I went and saw her once. And she just kept going west. Yeah, she went to the ocean. Yeah. It's fu- yeah. funny, funny you mentioned that. I, in I, Russia, I have a sad, broken heart tale re- re- relating to one of the uh, clashes mm. here that will come out later. Okay. In the well, and like I said, so we're going to do a little bit of creative licensing because permanent vacation, as you know. Uh, 
classic album clash we 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 stick to the rule that both albums have to have the same amount of tracks and um permanent has two but one's a cover i'm down by the beatles and one's just an instrumental called the movie so we're going to drop those two off so it's 10 to 10 and we're going to flip-flop angel um permanent vacation because we're going to do angel versus what it takes the two big monster ballads of the record so those are the rules and uh, now we will go to the uh, much anticipated song by song battle yes and see which album really is better because the way i like you said chris i remember uh pump being better than permanent vacation but after listening to both of them i think there's going to be some very interesting uh interesting um uh, uh, uh battles here so starts off hearts done time uh versus young lust and i think hearts done time is a desmond child joint um one of his many that he wrote uh, with Aerosmith at this time frame, and actually, I believe that it was Paul Stanley that Nick's um, confirming. Yes, true. Yeah, Joe Perry, Desmond Child. Okay, so Paul, I think Paul got them hooked up with Aerosmith, and a great Desmond Child story to tell as we move later on. But um, I'll start off. Hearts Done Time. Really love this song, and I actually suggested it to a couple of people to use as ring music. Really, because it starts off with whales, and it kind of builds, and then it's like. Uh, great opening track and this is my favorite Aerosmith very groove mm-hmm. powerful and Steven Tyler's got that voice right mm-hmm. um, Young Lust Aerosmith a lot like Kiss fast Aerosmith doesn't work when they get in this Young Lust double bass I don't ever want to hear uh, uh, Joey Kramer play double bass it's not what Aerosmith does so um, for me uh, I got to go with uh, Hearts Done Time, one of my favorite from from all of these records, mm-hmm. um, and a great uh, ring music song for Powerhouse Paul Laser, Ooh. a young uh, upstart who uh, needed a ring song, and I gave him that one back in about 91 in Calgary. It's <laughs> a good one. So there you go. Um, I'll go next. Um, Hearts Done Time is a fun little song mm-hmm. about a young man visiting a woman after her man goes to work at night, right? Mm. Which is a fun song until you get older and you get married and you have a job. And then it becomes a lot less fun <laughs> thinking about what's going on. I don't like this song anymore. It used to be something. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, no longer funny. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly it shakes you to the core. <laughs> but I'll take Hearts Done Time. I'm with you. Same thing. I like the groove of it more. And anytime there's the... Like the snare fill with Steven Tyler. Anytime that happens, I'm in. And I find Young Lust is kind of a mess of a song, too. There's no real hook. Um, It just goes all over the place. To me, I remember when I had that record, I was like, this is not a good opening song, but I know why they used it, because it's fast. And it was the 80s. You had to kick off your record with a fast song. Yep. What do you think, Nick? Uh, To what you were saying about uh, it being pretty fast, I actually uh, made a little note here that I really enjoyed when it went halftime, mm. half tempo. And uh, it just, it had a really great groove at that point. It's just the breakdown after the initial. It, I mean, it, it was fast most of the song and then it just kind of, it went yeah. into like a half tempo yeah, yeah. kind of a groove kind of thing. And I really, that kind of, that got my attention as mm-hmm. far as, okay, that was, that was a really cool move for them to throw in there. I, I think it, you know, like there's some faster Aerosmith songs that could work. I can't think. Any off the top of my head, unfortunately. Not like, yeah, not this. But uh, I mean, it's kind of like you know, like well, we did a lot of Kiss, and it's it's kind of like some of those uh, mid '80s. I know you're a huge fan. Yes. But uh, some of those mid '80s uh, 
faster kind of. Huge fan, but not of those ones. You know, no. We talk about Boomerang. It's just, just yeah. it's a mess. Yeah. They're not a, that type of a band. Yeah, I mean, I, not, I don't think everybody likes No, No, No or something right, like that. Right. I mean, it's it's just some bands, that's not what they want. Um, and I've always liked Hearts Done Time, so I'm going to go with Hearts Done Time as well. Chris? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, make it a clean sweep for Hearts Done Time. I will say that um, on both these cuts, the uh, lately much maligned Joey Kramer plays his ass off on both songs. Yeah. Uh, just great drumming on both. I'm giving the nod to Hearts Done Time because, like you you alluded to, uh, Chris, that uh, it, it harkens more to classic Aerosmith, that kind of groovy sort of, uh, you know, slightly sloppy, yeah. almost going off the rails kind of rock vibe. And I'm mean, also the another tipping point for me. A uh, little underappreciated, but that descending bass line by Tom Agreed. Hamilton, that boom, 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 where it drops down is yeah. really cool and also uh, harkens back to classic Aerosmith more than Young Lost does. And also, to the, um, the chorus on Hearthstone Time, it's classic Desmond Child. Oh, yeah. Wow. That could be Bon Jovi. It could be. Any of the, the, the you know, Ricky, uh, what's his name? Ricky Martin. Martin, that sort of thing. Um, Guy man, dude. What, what are we thinking about uh, the use of whale sounds? Whale sounds are pretty popular around this time frame. I, As uh, a, a Star Trek Four, the search for the future, where they're trying to transport the whales. Do you remember this? I vaguely do, but. Yeah, there's a big whale uh, Star Trek movie around the same time, so. Or lots, lots of whale Bad fashion. idea. <laughs> yeah. One thing I'll say is the patience I have in 2020 is almost non-existent with the way you listen to music these days. Right. Where it's like 30 seconds of like this soundscape building up to something. <laughs> so come on, get on with it already. Great but, point. But you know, if you put the album on and you're going to sit down and listen to it, it's cool in context. But yeah, like when you're on shuffle on your phone driving somewhere, you're like, what is this shit? I'm a seconds. big proponent of, of the beginning of the album has to have something. Because in my mind, using the old Metallica Iron Maiden, where you open with your album opener every time. Actually, the first two songs of their of their set is always the first two yeah. songs of the record. So there has to be something going on to show that it's the opening of the uh, of the record, in my opinion. Like something like this, like Hearts Done Time. Yeah, like yeah. They, yeah. I like the fact that it builds. Like you mentioned, like yeah. if you just listen to it on Shuffle's weird, but if you put on the new Aerosmith record, there's a yeah, there's yeah. some drama there yep. to, to get you into it. Right? Agreed. All right, so next up we have Magic Touch versus F.I. Annie Fine. We'll start with Chris L's thoughts on the two. But right, uh, first I want to tell you how I've been surviving the mornings after a classic album clash recording. I'm talking about Goody's Hangover. These shows go pretty long and we're all drinking, having a good time. Ended up pretty loaded by the show's end, as you're about to hear. But thankfully I've got Goody's Hangover to make sure I can function just F.I. Annie Fine the next day. Goody's Hangover is pain relief at the speed of powder. It can help relieve the wicked headache that usually accompanies, uh, accompanies a hangover. It'll take away the minor body aches that you might be feeling as well, and it'll help restore your mental alertness. Say goodbye to the fatigue and drowsiness that hangovers usually cause. And did I mention that Goody's Hangover tastes great as well? It comes in a berry citrus boost flavor. You can toss it back as is, or you can mix it with water. Don't let a hangover slow you down ever again. And don't let the thought of a hangover stop you from having a drink with me uh, anytime we're on uh, Saturday Special or Talk is Jericho or whatever it may be, get Goody's Hangover and let its formula stop pain fast and provide that boost of alertness that you need. 
So now you can have that fun night without worrying about how you feel the next morning. Get yourself some Goodies Hangover at Amazon or Walmart. Goodies Hangover, real medicine for real hangovers, fast relief with a boost of alertness. All right, so then we go to Magic Touch, um, Tyler Perry and uh, Jim Valance. And this is not Tyler Perry, the uh, uh, movie director. <laughs> this is Steven Tyler and, and Joe Perry. Just I, to, I wouldn't uh, mind hearing the, the D uh, sing Magic Touch. I'll, 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 I'll say it again. He's the closest thing we have to Charlie Chaplin these days. So. Well, how do you mean? Because uh, Jim Valance? I think we're just, <laughs> no, Tyler Perry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, the songwriting team, or the actual Tyler Perry? <laughs> the actual Tyler Perry. Okay. Why is he? Uh, why is he the modern day? Charlie because Chaplin? he does it all. He's he he has his own studio, his own production right. studio. True story. Yeah, he owns, does everything. He, he owns writes everything. Or, yeah. Writes everything. Directs. Produces, acts and yeah. everything. Yeah. All right. Well, shout out to uh, Tyler Perry if uh, <laughs> if he's listening. We uh, we appreciate your work. At least Nick does. Mm-hmm. I that have never seen anything uh, that he's done. Although I did get an offer to be in one of his Halloween movies. Oh, oh my God. And I couldn't do it because uh. I was going, to, I had to work or some stupid thing. But there's like, it, get to, I get an actual offer is hard. Yeah. It's like, oh, Not we'll an audition. audition or like, you know, we'll consider like calling me cold and I couldn't do the... Ah, uh, oh, it's too bad. The, the, the media... You can Halloween. do Boo or Boo 2, which is... He's get, up to two right now. Yeah, so. well, maybe they have to do Boo 3. That would be fantastic. Look out, world, because <laughs> here I come. <laughs> All right, Magic Touch, like we said, uh, versus F-I-N-E Fine, which is another Desmond Child joint. Tyler Perry and Desmond Child, F-I-N-E Fine. Uh, does anyone know what that stands for? I don't. I do. I noticed it on Google, and I forgot it. It's but. up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So it's right. not fine. It's not fine, exactly. It's the opposite F-I-N-E of fine. It's like, fine. yeah. yeah. Chris L., what do you think about these two? Uh, this was probably the closest... Uh, decision for me magic touch is great great but i've got to give the edge to f-i-n-e strictly because of the lyrics i mean especially the uh it's not even an allusion to it it's a straight up announcement of analingus toward the end of the (laughs) wow I mean, what does he say? Uh, let me find it. Sticking uh, his yeah. Yeah, uh, I shove my tongue right between your cheeks. I haven't made love now for twenty five weeks. <laughs> I don't know. I I've, I always try to think of what the twenty five is significant for. Does the twenty five weeks mean something? Is that a reference to something? No, I, I've never heard that. Six months and one week. Twenty five weeks, right? It just it must be or just a random thing. Because yeah. it, it rhymes, cheeks. And Sounds good. Twenty five weeks. I can't say twenty six weeks. Stick my tummy in twelve weeks. It has to be down on a week, so it has to be like twenty five. Um, love, also, love oh. the line. Uh, and it's, it's I got no rubbers, but it's yeah, raining right. all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a great use line! Of, using the word rubbers mm-hmm. in a song, I mean that's a weird. <laughs> well, and the and um, sonically, what goes on during that line is they have it. They they have it sound kind of like the uh, quote unquote old timey. Oh yeah, kind of a vocal yeah. effect. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, early on in my music listening career, maybe when I was maybe six or seven years old, I I established at that point that any song that speaks of analingus <laughs> is going to be an automatic winner for me. And uh, 
And the, <laughs> at the, that age, the, so the, the you already rule, made that rule. I think I developed that rule listening to a Simon and Garfunkel album. I don't know how that happened, but I don't remember that. But, the, sound, um, the sound of Analingus, I think. Yeah, is, it was released in isn't Germany. Analingus isn't that an Alter Bridge song? Yeah, no, it's Metalingus. Okay. It's the sound Metalingus. <laughs> At least that's how I heard it. Back yeah, yeah then. I think so. But uh, but yeah, that so sticking to my rule, F I N E wins. Love. Uh, I'll jump in here. Love. You guys always have an appreciation for a good mama in a song mm-hmm. or yeah. or announcing the band member's name. CC mm-hmm. pick up all, that guitar. Or like stuff. Bruce. Yep. Uh, this has a great one. Uh, yeah. it, it, you're end. all right. Even Tipper says I'm all right. Tipper Gore got a lot of. Even Joe Perry says I'm all right. Yeah. What a great line. Joe. It's not just Joe. It's Joe Perry. Yeah. Like, it's not like, hey, what's up, Ke- Mick? Keith? Or uh, Mick? Tommy? That's a, Vince that, or whatever the hell Steven it is. Steven Tyler seems to have, like, a great friendship with Joe Perry, but then Joe Perry always seems to kind of be so kind of, he's Mr. kind of cool and nonchalant all the time. Yeah, I think Joe's the problem. You think he's so? Got, he's got to be. Yeah. He's got, he's, it's unrequited, unfortunately. I, I, I met Joe at the Golden Gods Awards. I used to host. He decided he wanted to be on the show like during the show. Hmm. So I think one of the bands was like the Black Dahlia Murder or something like that was playing. You get 20 minutes to play. So we ran down to the parking garage mm-hmm. where Joe showed up. And the, and the theme, that was I was playing the heel host that year. Heel host. The heel, like the bad guy. Yeah. And the theme was everyone was calling me a douche. So I went down to say, hey, Chris Jericho, I'm glad to have you. Would you mind calling me a douche on stage? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. So I'll just tell you when to do it. I'll give you the cues. Yeah, no problem. So he goes on stage to give out the award, and he starts talking about the plight of like the rainforest aborigines yeah. in you know Abu Adin, and he lights up a joint on stage, like in the venue, which not a big deal, but it's a pretty big deal. Like, yeah, super illegal in 2010 or whatever it was. Yeah. And he he, out, he out healed everybody. He did, and then he yeah. goes, "Oh, by the way." You fucking douche. <laughs> and I was like, yay. So it was my one interaction with Joe Perry. Haven't seen him since. Never saw him before, but wow. uh, he called me a fucking douche by Chris, request. Chris L., didn't you interview Joe Perry once? A phone call? No, never. No, no, that was Jay Leno. Sorry. Oh, I thought that. you had a, uh, a Joe Perry cook, cookware. No, 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 no. It was Tyler Perry. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> no, Chris, Chris L. also. He has an offer f- for Booth 3. You don't have one yet? Yeah. <laughs> Booth three, <laughs> um, yeah. Magic touch once again. A huge chorus. It's great, but I love Fine. Fine, and it's funny because we're looking at the singles mm-hmm. listed, and Fine is not on there. But I heard that on the radio constantly. Uh, in Win- Winnipeg's a huge Aerosmith town, so I always love that part. Tipper and, and Joe Perry says I'm all right. Great lyrics. Great, great start too. Wow. It's a dirty walk this way type riff. Exactly what I love from my Aerosmith. Uh, so I'm going with with fine. Um, Magic Touch has a really strong hook. The chorus is a how great he, harmony too. Yeah, and how he he goes up higher. They like can't let go right. lyric. Um, I mean, it's it's a great song. But and as much as I find the lyrics pretty embarrassing for Fine, <laughs> I still think it's got probably the most energy out of any song on the album mm-hmm. out of maybe both albums it's got the most energy and it's just it the whole song just drives and it's 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 got it's got a really great melody and uh i read in my uh little old it's like 23 years old already but the aerosmith little autobiography walk this way mm-hmm. 
that F-I-N-E was very nearly the album title. Huh. And uh, Brad Whitford came up with Pump, and that stuck. That, that, I think Pump's be better as an album title. If I, I find doesn't really make sense. No. If it was called F***ed Up, Insecure, Neurotic, and Emotional. Or For Unlawful Carnal, carnal knowledge. knowledge. Exactly right. I was going to say that next. <laughs> um, and uh, I like the Joe Perry name drop. Reminds me of we had an old uh, copy of a cassette Classics Live 2 during Moving Out. He, uh, no one knows the way of a Joe Perry gets a little pop from the crowd throw oh, that okay. in there um, and uh, Hangman Jury throwback and during the uh, outro the mm. little fade out he's, he, he goes into that I don't know if you guys noticed that what does he say he, he does the uh, hey boy no it's, it's uh, some, I think it's the part where he sings um, the part about uh, where the rock where Moses done stood something like that oh, I don't remember exactly but wow. during the fade out you can hear him and he's pretty it's brief but he's pretty much nice doing little uh, callback yeah, to, so, uh, to the song and um, I mean the lyrics I, I'm less comfortable <laughs> with the lyrics <laughs> yeah. than maybe others but uh, still a great song and I'm going to go with F-I-N-E gotcha F-I-N-E, fine for me, too. Um, two like, clean sweeps in a row. Two clean wow. sweeps in That's a row. That's rare. Yeah. Analingus, like Chris said, he also <laughs> mentions, I'm going to kiss your boo-boo, honey, which yeah. that's another one. And that's kind of ahead of its time. Is, is that where Honey Boo Boo got her name from <laughs> listening to Aerosmith? And this is not to be confused with the Tyler Perry Boo Two and Boo Three. No, but th- th- there are connections. And don't forget, the, and don't forget this line, which is something Gene Simmons probably kicked himself for not writing. You're so tight, your loving oh, squeaks, yeah. oh, and I'm ready. Oh, I mean, that's terrible. you can't Re- relentless. You can't uh, say that in 2020. No, you can't. We had a meeting yesterday with uh, with uh, uh, sexual harassment people and what you can and can't do. One thing you couldn't do was read the lyrics to this song. <laughs> that was on the list. That's on the list. Yeah. Don't read it. They had it up. They had it up on the projector, and it was just a bunch of black line, like redacted <laughs> stuff. This is not water cooler talk, okay. <laughs> right? Unless you're into analingus and well, squeaky and love. Then, speaking of which, in the in the in the era of coronavirus that we're in, where like everybody's all about like spend. 90 seconds washing your hands mm-hmm. i gotta believe analingus is off the list i mean yeah that's just not somebody, sanitary somebody posted a graphic the other day it said god are they still licking each other's buttholes guy more than ever god more coronavirus please exactly <laughs> I, I would think that that's uh that's something that's just got to be gone by the who would know like, what we with some deep conversations here yeah. On the classic album clash. And that's kind of ahead of its time because that's what I hear all the kids are doing these days. They just snort Xanax and lick each other's buttholes on... Uh, Snorting Xanax from each other's buttholes. TikTok or whatever. I'm out of the loop. No wonder, no wonder China is completely shut down these days. Jesus. So I got one more thing about fine. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know what this meant, but he says I got an emo woody. Wow. You guys know what that means? Uh, it's not emo like EMO. It's... E H M O in all caps, and I'm like, what is that? He's I got a because he's singing about a car or something. E H M O. Yeah. So I looked it up, and it means an early morning hard on Woody, <laughs> which is like redundant. He's he's a, he has a boner, boner. He has a boner. Yeah, I just cracked a boner, Rodney. I, that's I, like, I lo- <laughs> yeah. it's like when people say ATM machine. You don't have to say machine. The M means two machine. two twins. Yeah, we've got two twins. Uh, love the fact that he snuck in emo. And I would say probably Bruce Fairbairn 
did not know what that meant and probably just like uh, in the fine tradition of Eddie Van Halen not knowing what the fuck Roth is ever talking about just yeah. lets it go probably emo Woody eh, whatever sounds good yeah because I'm, I'm envisioning Fairbairn's probably like 50 I don't know how old he is he's not with us anymore right no, he's not. He's not. gotcha well two clean sweeps with uh, with two great tunes um, this one hard this is when the, the, the big time number one hits kick in Ragdoll uh, versus Love in an Elevator. Oh, my goodness. Uh, who wants to take that one to start on with it? I'll go first. Okay. Um, love Ragdoll. Uh, love the video with uh, especially Joey Kramer. Beginning? Uh, just in, <laughs> yeah, hitting the two bass drums. One of the, just one of the, I mean, that's like one of the coolest visuals. Uh, Good call. From, from a rock video, in my opinion. Um, it's one of the most like struttable songs, I would say. Oh, I mean, strutting down the street to this song makes perfect sense. The phrase "hot tramp" gets uh, gets thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and it's got it's got the, a feel of like uh, like a New Orleans funeral huh. march kind <laughs> wow. of a thing. Like it a, does. you put well, some time into this. Yeah. Well, that that one, I, yeah. <laughs> no, no wonder I wanted to go get a Popeyes after I listened to this one. <laughs> Um, the most random call ever Popeyes <laughs> so that being said I'm still gonna go with Love in an Elevator it's for me it it's the title is like the snakes on a plane of rock and roll it's so outlandish and it's it's almost like a guilty pleasure right? like you almost feel silly when you're listening right. to it but it's it's awesome I, I mean I always thought so one thing I wanted to point out um, whether our fifth guest was going to be here or not, um, that there's that riff that goes into the solo. It's it's always makes me think of Cotton Amash. Oh, right, good like call. You, you wouldn't think <laughs> Love in an Elevator would have anything similar to that, but that always makes me think of it. And uh, the video, I always thought it was hilarious because it looks like Steven Tyler is coming from a Ren fair. Right, right behind us. It's yeah, actually but... coming up right now. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's <laughs> there he is. That hat. So I'm going with that. It's it's a guilty pleasure, but it's fantastic. So um, I'll pick up where you left off. I, I think once again, Ragdoll. I thought it was always a cool song. It's obviously a big hit. Um, it's a great follow up. The dude looks like a lady. A lot more doomies in there. Let me go into doomie to the back door. Doomie, yeah. doomie, doomie. Uh, uh, doomie all the time. Apparently, with that's this the guy. one. Uh, it goes into a little Mae West, which is great. Come yeah. on over, singing. <laughs> yeah. I was like that. Right. Uh, but I think, much like you said about FINE having the best energy, to me, Love in an Elevator is probably my, might be my favorite Aerosmith song. A, oh. outlandish subject yeah. matter. Yeah. But the, as, a, as a musician, I would find, uh, especially you guys would know more, especially Chris as a guitar player, Aerosmith songs, not the hardest to play, but there's there's a feel to it. you have to have. Love and Elevator's hard. It's almost prog rock in, in, in parts. It reminds me a lot of Kiss uh, being Kiss, and then they do King of the Mountain with that middle part. Great riff, great middle section, and a great kind of Beatlesque fade out with that yeah. great harmony oh the harmony yeah yes i think the video actually shows That's, them singing we're gonna do it together oh, yeah. yeah at the end of the episode going we're, we're down <laughs> loving it, I love it, uh, living it up as i'm going down uh, so I'm, I'm going with the elevator for yeah. sure 
Me too. Same thing. Um, Ragdoll would beat almost anything else on Pump, but it's not going to be Love in an Elevator. Mm -hmm. So Love in an Elevator. Um, one line that stands out, and it kind of makes me think of this room, is you're, you're used to these kind of nice accommodations, but the Pot of Thunder guys are some penthouse poppers today. <laughs> Going to be a penthouse popper. Yeah. Whoa. This might be the first time you guys didn't have to dismantle a bed with your, uh, with your tools. Yeah, it's <laughs> a living room. Stuff. It's a yeah. living room here. Well, um, you know, we like to trash hotel rooms just like everybody else. So. Yeah, every other band. Um, lyrically, loving an elevator, the concept of it couldn't be more foreign to me. Like, I can't wrap my mind around that. That's it's like a Dragon Force song makes more sense to my real life than loving an elevator. But the only thing I could relate to is that he starts on the second floor and he's done by the time he gets to the first floor. So. It's a tall, tall building, maybe. Can I? Uh, can I? Tall uh, ceilings. In the can I throw this out to you guys? Yeah. Can you guys name another uh, uh, love in an elevator song? I know one, but I can't think of. I it. got one, and it's the same thing because they only have about a floor. 10 seconds to love Motley Crue. Oh, man. Gonna find you an elevator. You only get 10 seconds to have love. So they, they went from the second floor to the first floor. And their, know that. their elevator was much quicker than Steven's because yeah. Steven had more time. Yeah. Nikki did not. He had 10 seconds to love. That's a good elevator for Steven me. hit the emergency stop <laughs> button in between <laughs> floors. Actually, in college, uh, I banged a chick in the freight elevator, and I stopped it between floors oh my gosh. overnight in the dorm. Is this the, the broken heart story that you're going to tell No, us? no. Oh, that okay, was gotcha. a conquest story for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like the late, the front desk guy overnight, you know? I love... And so I had to do the rounds of the dorm to make sure all the doors hadn't been propped open. And I took this chick I was seeing down to the game room where the freight elevator was, Ran it up between floors and uh, had had a good time. Wow. See, I, I love those days. You don't have to oh. worry about any security cameras or whatever. Just yeah. shut oh, it down. Yeah. Now, if you shut an elevator down between floors, there'll be a security guard like bopping in there instantly. Oh, yeah. exactly. CNN will be there. And the whole thing. Yeah. It'll be yeah. streaming live. Right. What are you thinking between elevator and ragdoll, Chris? Uh, you know, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit. Um, in so far as this was an easy decision for me, I never liked Ragdoll okay. very much. I thought it was kind of schmaltzy and the stuff you liked about the video, I thought was kind of stupid <laughs> and just, uh, the song never appealed to me. Uh, love and elevator is great. You know, the fact that it was a number one single that's five and a half minutes long and it's got all those. Good with the intro complex musical changes yeah. going on are is pretty impressive and then i'll just say uh with regard to the video those two bikini chicks with the mag the mannequins turn into the live women yeah that's right dancing yeah. behind brad whitford as he's like a retail clerk or whatever in a department <laughs> store if the one on the left it doesn't send you scrambling to the bathroom and hoping there's some hand lotion there in there. Is, I don't know. Yeah. What timing? She was there. I mean, that the one on the left is unbelievable. She's and, the and she's she's way back in the distance, and it still sends you to the bathroom every time. It's their greatest video. I'm gonna say. Oh yeah. It, it's funny. It's genuinely funny. And also, like about Steven Tyler, like he's very much a old school vaudevillian type entertainer as a rock and roll singer his scatting at the beginning of this mm -hmm. it's really good he's like doing that through his nose it's, yeah it's not, it seems impossible to do it that well he's like a, like a, he's like the henny youngman of rock <laughs> like, if henny youngman was a singer he'd be scatting through his nose 
<laughs> Cab Calloway. <laughs> me near the mooch on. Yeah, Come he, on over, see and me. And he goes into <laughs> Al Jolson every once in a while. I mean. <laughs> um, so we've had three uh, 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 so landslides. We're, we're, so uh, we're agreeing with we're each like, other. Like it's a, kinda, yeah, it's kind of not fun. Kind of lame. I think this is going to break it up, though, because these are two so epitomes of an album track. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Simariah. Uh, versus Monkey on My Back. And I haven't listened to these albums as a whole in a while. Couldn't remember how either one of them went until I heard them, which tells you yeah. how uh, uh, kind of obscure they are. And Simariah, though, Jim Valance is on that. So he, they, this is actually a actual songwriter that they tried to, to get some, some hit. Jim Valance, the Charlie Chaplin of entertainment, <laughs> of today's entertainment. Just want to remind everybody about that. I thought that was Tyler Perry. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I mixed those two up. Yeah, he's, the, he's the Buster Keaton of yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You want to start this one off, Chris? Do you know both these two? Uh, yeah. Um, kind of like you said that F-I-N-E Fine was played a lot on Winnipeg radio or whatever. And Detroit Radio played the hell out of Monkey. I'm really? Back. It was not an album cut. It was basically, essentially a single. No in kidding. Detroit. Edited, I'm, I'm sure, right? At least in one spot. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's I mean, pretty blatant. It, it got a lot of uh, radio play. Oh, I guess um, get that f- monkey yeah, off my back. And, and yeah. it's, it's not yeah. one of those. It's not one of those where you hear it on the radio. It, did he swear? Maybe. Maybe it's not. Right. It's, in your face. it's yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, I'm actually going to go with Simaria. Wow. And it was a close one, but I prefer the energy of Simaria, and um, you know, and and we'll get into uh, this also with the next track on Pump. But uh, you know, when when uh, Aerosmith starts to get a little more serious and addressing their previous drug issues, uh, it's a little too too. It's not you too, Aerosmith. Yeah, right. Exactly. I want to hear more about. Analing is things of that nature. Uh, you know, well, things, things of that nature. Yeah, right. Sports thing. Yeah, you know, and things of that nature. Yeah, your 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 drug things. That's fine, and it's a good song. I heard it a lot on the radio, but I'm going with Simariah here. Okay, Andy. Simariah. Uh, don't want to waste too much time because it's a real coin toss. Nothing from either song really uh, grabs me in any way, but picking one or the other, Simariah. Over to you. For me, Simariah absolutely decimates Monkey on My Back. Oh, wow. Always, always loved Simariah. Hmm. It's it's on my 80s hard rock uh, Spotify playlist. No kidding. Yes. Big Simariah fan. Big here. fan. Love it. Um, it Maybe my favorite song on the album. Damn. Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. That's a hot take. Well. Wow. Wow. Um, Monkey on My Back. I mean, I admire, you know, the fact that it's it's uh you know kind of a good influence on if you got kids listening to it it, it puts exactly it, why it sucks it's in a but it's in a cool way you know they always say oh well you know the kids if you try to talk down to them a certain they can tell and they don't care and they're gonna think you're lame but in in a cool aerosmith song guys who have been through it and are now that's i mean that was pretty well known by permanent vacation oh, big time. that, that oh, was that was course. like that part, was the whole that was, gimmick that yeah. was the gimmick yeah. that they're clean now like dr feel good <laughs> you know <laughs> that lasted like about that. a month they're still not clean <laughs> <laughs> but it, it i mean i admire that aspect of it but love simariah fantastic song okay. never heard so uh, somebody with such a 
affinity for Samaria. Yeah, cool. I'm the guy. Um, when you listen to it, like I said, after not remembering both the songs, obviously as soon as I heard it, like Samurai was much more melodic and better than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I think I just didn't like the song title. I thought it was stupid. So much like uh, it, when you hear a dumb song title, kind of turn me off right off the bat. It's a girl's name, like she. Yeah, she's Samurai. Yeah, you it. don't know a Shandy. Yeah, you don't know a Samurai. I get it. But uh, Monkey on My Back, by far for me, my favorite. Ooh. Uh, great drums on it. I love the beginning of it. I love kind of the lazy like uh, slide guitar thing. Yeah. And once again, the pattern of what I like from my Aerosmith is those. Uh, as I said, Slash one time, I said your your, uh, your riffs are slimy. He's like, yeah, I like that slimy. And this is a slimy Aerosmith. Like it's just. Yep. I found they're really in the groove. If you take out Young Lust, those three songs, Fine Elevator, and Monkey have some great riffs and great playing in it. So uh, Samurai, better than I remember. Monkey on my back, definitely a killer tune and probably one of, one of my top three uh, on the Pump album. Okay. There you go. Finally, some division there. Descent. Something better, yeah. Probably the two biggest hits on the albums are next. Dude Looks Like a Lady from uh, Permanent Vacation. Janie's Got a Gun from Pump. And before we debate the two, just let me say that there's absolutely no debate when it comes to the cereal that starts my morning. Blueberry Magic Spoon is the breakfast of Le Champion. If you would have told me as a kid that I would still willingly be eating cereal in the morning for breakfast, I would have laughed in your face. That's because I had no idea there would be magic spoon in my future. I try to eat healthy. My whole family tries to eat healthy. And now that we've found magic spoon, we are able to start the day the magic spoon way. Zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, only three net grams of carbs in each serving. Magic spoon has four great flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and my favorite blueberry. It's keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free, GMO free, and low carb. You got to try this for yourself. It's one of those too good to be true type uh, foods, but it's actually true. Just go to magicspoon.com slash Jericho. Pick up the variety pack and try it for yourself. And be sure to use my promo code Jericho at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident that you'll love their cereal. They've backed it with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Jericho. Use the promo code Jericho for free shipping. Try it today. Your cereal bowl, spoon, and stomach will thank you. The two possibly biggest hits on the record uh, against each other, A Dude Looks Like a Lady and uh, Janie's Got a Gun. Another huge hit at 538. Mm. That's a long song for radio. Yeah. Nowadays, if you do 401, radio programmers want to play it. Everybody wants 359. It's a true story. Wow. I'll start with this one. Dude looks like a lady. Uh, that's what got me into Aerosmith at this time frame. Uh, great story on the talk is Jericho with Desmond Child when he said that he first met with Aerosmith. He came in the room and they said, we're going to play this for you. And they had the loop. Anana, 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 anana. And the song title at the time was Cruising for the Ladies. Anana, anana, cruising for the ladies. And he was like, uh, they go, what do you think? And he's like, I think it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible song title. It's the worst ever. He's right. <laughs> and yeah. they were going to, yeah. And they said, well, we, we were going to call it dude looks like a lady, but we don't know what that means. And Desmond's like, I'm gay. I know what that means. <laughs> and convinced them about dude looks like a lady. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a crazy weird song title, much like love in the elevator. It's just doesn't make sense, but great riff. Mm-hmm. Well, here we go. Do me, do me, do me all night. Yeah. He's got a lot of doomies here. <laughs> uh, but, um, and just it was one of the first times you ever heard the, the, that looping sound, which is kind of very common now with with computers and stuff. With the fact they're able to use that, so uh, great verse to cruising to a bar on the shore, blah blah blah. blah like uh, uh, and and much like what Chris L said about Ragdoll, never like Janie's got a gun. 
don't like the riff now don't like the melody don't like that round 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 like it sucks and like what the f- are you singing about gun control aerosmith like f- off domestic <laughs> abuse or rage, rage against God. the machine right. go away <laughs> yeah not a, uh, I, I need escape from this two stuff. songs earlier you were loving in an elevator and now you're singing about gun control yeah. mm-hmm. i mean leave that to pearl jam and those sad sack bleeding hearts i want oh. uh I want my dudes that so look like a lady. So you have an Eddie Vedder on next week? Watch, watch your mouth around the huge Pearl Jam fan over there. In the I'm not back. saying I'm not a fan. I'm just saying that the, the, Jeremy's spoken in class days about gun control. That's fine for Pearl Jam. It's not fine for Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. This is a dog of a song. I would never listen to this unless it came on the radio and I had to. Uh, Dude looks like a lady. That's the winner. That's what I'm going with. Um, I... Not gonna go with Janie's Got a Gun. I'm gonna go with Dude Looks Like a Lady, but I will say it's a great song. Janie's Got a Gun. I mean, it really is, and it's. I mean, yeah, it's got the the bouncy kind of. It was bounce, a huge right? hit, but it's. I mean, it yeah. really like one, once you get into the vocals and everything, it's really a fantastic song. And I mean, it's an uncomfortable. It's you know, very well produced as well. And by the way, a rare songwriting credit from Tyler and Tom Hamilton. Tom Hamilton. That probably paid for his house, a couple mm-hmm. houses. I would think so. That's a big song good yeah. job tom that's uh let's see here i wonder what it pun intended what it took to get that song because <laughs> yeah. uh i mean i wonder seriously i wonder what he contributed to probably that bass line that i would say the riff because yeah. it's tyler yeah. tom hamilton so i, I would well, say i bet I mean, you i bet you wrote the I'm, tune i'm pretty sure sweet emotion was also it was, it was yeah. hamilton, did, did yeah. he get a song i'm, I'm fairly that, certain he did so. yeah okay well that makes sense that it, um yeah, I'm gonna go with dude looks like a lady. I mean it's it's such a like you said, it's a weird, crazy song. A completely outlandish title. And I read in the book here that uh the reason that he, Steven Tyler, had the guts to go with the title Love in an Elevator is because hey, I did dude looks like a lady. I like I'm I'm sticking with that Love gave him the, yeah. the creative it, it, license. It, it worked then. I'm gonna do it. You know, this mm. this is just as outlandish. I'm gonna do it again. So. Right. Um. And Tom did have sweet emotion. That's that's Tyler and Tom. So he does work uh work some tunes in there. Good two. It's like it's like Queen with like John, John Deacon. Yeah. He, the two songs he wrote were huge. That's all you need. Same with Tom Hamilton. So so good good on him. Uh, congratulations, Tom, if you're listening. All right. I got a lot to say about both of these, so bear with me. So Can you for- say that in a Paul Stanley voice, please? <laughs> I got a no. I got a lot to say about both songs. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so dude looks like a lady. I love the use of horns in a song in this era. Great call. Great call. Because it's pretty it's rare. All, for it's this all time. over both albums. Yeah, yeah but pretty, lots of horns on here. Pretty rare for a rock band in this era, though, to have any horns at all. So yeah. very cool. Um, thematically ahead of its time, because if you listen and pay attention to what he's saying, he finds out that this hot woman has a penis and he's just like whatever that's my lady open to it yeah yeah. it's not like oh what the you know there's no so it's like it's it's 1987 but it's 2020 and that was also desmond's line she she pulled out a gun and blew me away yeah get it there you go yeah once again gene simmons is going damn it yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and then the other thing I wanted to mention, there's baritone sax in here, which I think is the perfect instrument to accompany a surprise penis <laughs> that you weren't expecting. <laughs> and then, and, and is it a coincidence that a, a song about a man dressed as a woman is written by Tyler Perry? 
And Desmond Child. Yeah. I love that line though. We don't know what that means. It's Joe Perry. We don't know what that means. I'm gay. I, I know what it means. Janie's got me on this. Janie's got a gun. The percussion at the beginning and like the bass tone and the whip cracks, you know, there's like the yeah. that always reminded me. Like, I picture Robert Stack walking down some misty <laughs> railroad tracks. <laughs> it always reminded me of Unsolved Mysteries. And I didn't like it for that reason. It gives me the creeps. Only uh, on the classic album Clash with the Pot of Thunder Brothers would we get a Robert Stack and a Tyler Perry and a Buster Keaton reference <laughs> all within about 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah, we can't help ourselves. And don't forget anal language. <laughs> and then That's uh, the title of this episode, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Last thing. Um, this came out the same year as 18 in Life by Skid Row. Wow, interesting. Mm. But that came out in January. And it kind of has a similar vibe as far as subject matter that it's like this person committing this. It's like a serious song and there's this act of violence and right. the, the repercussions of said violence and not what you'd expect from but, bands But basically, time. though, the, the, the story is that Janie was getting, uh, getting uh, not, what's the word, molested. Yeah. And she pulls out a gun and shoots the guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So she's the hero because she's, she's the hero, the, but she's going to jail, too. Oh, she's like, yeah. There's the other part of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that, she has to deal with she's the going, vicious circle. She's going she's, for her uh, permanent vacation. There you go. Yes. There call you back. Very much call so. back. Mm-hmm. Call back. Mm-hmm. And a, a song, that more recent song that I think is even closer in theme is "Dear Father" off the last Sabbath album because mm, it's wow. about it's about a like a religious. Was that actually person. on the album? Was that one of the it's, seven bonus tracks? It's, that came it's the last one on the official whatever <laughs> was, normal. What album am I supposed to listen to? Normal you guys? release, yeah, <laughs> yeah, similar thing. Someone getting abused and then and then so, offing the person. What are you choosing? I am going to choose "Dude Looks Like a Lady." Okay, yeah, yeah it's pretty. Uh, Pretty one-sided, in my opinion. But what do you mm-hmm. think, Chris? Uh, dude, look like looks like a lady, hands down. My uh, opinion is almost exactly the uh, same as yours, Chris. I, it, Janie's got a gun. Never did it for me. It was like them just trying to be too serious, and it just didn't compute with me. And dude, looks like a lady is a is incredible. Just it's so uh, audacious and over the top, and like in the video the 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 best part for me is the when he the like it like it like it like that in 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 syncopating with his hip thrusts in the video <laughs> and great and huge props to mr perry incredible guitar solo agreed i mean that thing agreed, is yeah. flawless great feel it's got a it's a, it's a clean kind of guitar tone it's so sound, it's not yeah. like a it's not like a shredding guitar solo it's just more it's just pure rock and roll front to back great composition to it and it really makes a song for me it's one of those things like i said when we kind of rediscovered aerosmith with these records and and we talked about kind of the yin and yang of perry and and tyler joe perry is a great guitar player man like he really is you know what they're very similar to acdc in that every guy in that band fits that band perfect and they're a great machine Mm -hmm. absolutely well old machine yeah any merit to the fact that the uh, dude looks like a lady is that Steven Tyler saw Vince Neil at the bar, uh, Rainbow or something? Is that where that original? Well, that was kind title? of the idea. Of the, but that's the the urban legend. The urban right? legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we don't I, know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Vinnie Barbarino. <laughs> yeah. Um, we move on to uh, Saint John versus the other side, and this is this, the, we don't forget this little instrument going down. 
Love Elevator, Water Song. Jay's got it. This is the Dulcimer Stomp. Actually, Water Song, Song was another one that had a different title. It was originally Water Sports, and uh, <laughs> Joe Perry was like, "We don't know what that means." And, uh, but but they did. They did, in this case they didn't relent to Mister uh, Child, unfortunately. Dulcimer Stomp. That's got a really cool uh, intro for the other side, which was another big radio hit. You want to start this one off, Andy? Sure. Um, between the two, I'm taking the other side. Um, St. John, I'm not a huge fan of the blues, mm. like in its purest form. I yeah. get the influence that it's had on a lot of the music that I like, but I don't like it on its own. Mm-hmm. I get it. I respect it, but it's not my thing. So the right. other side is what I'm going with. And I always thought it was funny that in so many songs, the subject of mama told me this important lesson did that happen in your like did your mom give you all this advice my mom i mean my mom's great but the only thing she ever advice she ever gave me was like take some business classes like she never gave me any of these like what stay away from these kinds of girls and all that you know like when i was just a baby mama sat me on her knee never it's like what do you mean you want to study that study business my mom there was this book it was called where did i come from and it was cartoon depictions of sex she basically threw that book at my brother and i and said read that and that was it no sitting on the knee none no no spoken advice it's like, when i was just a baby yeah read that and that's it so so i can't relate to that anymore. keep it going chris uh, st john versus uh other side um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do the same thing to the other side i just it is so overrated i just that song just never did it for other me. side yeah really okay never did it for me and i'm I actually agree with andy it's like overt nods to the blues are not really my thing either but um going back to how you described slash is playing this slimy groove to it it's got what saint john has and that's definitely more appealing to me than than interesting i like the fact you took saint john that's good yeah i the other side just uh, was always so overrated see and to me that's one of the tunes i just i love there's a there's a side no pun intended of aerosmith that just goes full-on radio um, glossy sheened pop and um, just take me to the other side it's just great and this is a, actually an interesting song title uh, songwriters here this is like a, a rap song there's one two three four writers on this one of them named Lamont Lamont Dozier uh, oh, was on the song God, no, I, well that's that's another thing I noticed that was those guys, that's a four tops, right? Or, yes. Yeah. There, there, there was a lawsuit. There was a lawsuit. There was a yeah. lawsuit. They're Standing in the Shadows of Love yeah, is they, the original. Oh, that's song. right. Yeah. That was the original what? That's the that's the song that it was a little too close to. Kind of. Uh, really? The, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, um, what's the part that in uh, the other side? What um, Loving You Has Do Got me, to Be. Probably. Loving You Has Got to Be Like the Devil in the Deep Blue Sea. Right. That part. It's standing in the shadows of love. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like the same thing. So yeah, there was a lawsuit, yeah. and that's Holland Dozier Hall, and that's one of those yeah, that's you know four tops. New, uh, wow, uh, songwriting. Like I googled this, the songwriting team of Holland Dozier Holland were eventually given songwriting credit on the song after threatening to file suit over what they perceived to be similarities between other side and their song "Standing in the Shadows of Love." Yep. Interesting, standing in the shadows of love, yeah. like the devil in the deep blue sea. 
Wow. I mean, it's, it's just one part, but it's big enough. I didn't know that. Significant enough. It's like uh, My Sweet Lord George Harrison yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with the Chiffons or whatever it was, the Shirley's, whatever they were called. Um, <laughs> I'm going to continue. Uh, oh, yes. Other side for me, St. John, once again, uh, I find St. John is a fellow track. Uh, we need a song here. We like the blues. I get it. But as you know, a 16-year-old kid that just heard Dude Looks Like a Lady and Simaria before it, it didn't really fit in for me. And other side, uh, another big radio song, uh, not just in Winnipeg, a number one tune. So I'm taking that. Nick? Um, I'm going to go other side as well, even though I will, uh, to a certain degree, agree with the mysterious Chris L over here. That Very it's, mysterious. It's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty unremarkable song comparatively. Right. Um, even though, what, doesn't it say on here it was a number one? Yeah, so that's, that's, that's number one. Yeah, and so I mean, whatever. But <laughs> it's still, I still like it better than St. John. St. John is fine. Um, the the Delta Blues thing, I'm on and off with. It 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 doesn't really grab me. I mean, yeah, it goes. You know, you you get the distorted guitars and the big drums and everything coming eventually. But um, other side, I'm gonna go with, even though I'm not a huge fan of it. And I did read that it pushed deuces are wild off of the album it came late and then that ended up on the beavis and butthead album no kidding and uh, i like deuces are wild better personally so but, that uh, gives you extra reason to not like the other side yeah you or and and to kind of admire it from a distance <laughs> <laughs> why don't you keep it going because saint john is almost a, a a sister song with hangman jury it's like a "We Will Rock You." We are the champions of these two blues songs in the middle of the of the record. And that to me almost bogs the record down. Agreed. Because Especially why, when there's why, twelve songs on it already, yeah, they should have cut and, one of them. And why two in a row with this mm-hmm. kind of Delta blues acoustic Agreed. thing going on? It just uh, to me it doesn't make sense. Um, Hangman Jury, I think, is a better song than Saint John. Um, I have no idea what. Uh, hey boy, don't you line the trekalaka means? Hey boy, no idea. don't you line I, on the trekalaka? I, I, I read. I know that it's uh, it's exactly taken from a, an old Lead Belly song. I don't know what Lead Belly was talking about. And I'm fine with admitting that. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna definitely be uh, going with <laughs> with my girl. Believe it or not. Wow, that's yeah. a that's a, well, okay. now and and my reason is it. I listened to it recently and there's a really, I don't know if it's conscious or not, but there's a really strong CCR kind of a vibe to it. Hmm. It's very like bad moon rising. musically. Yeah. And and I'm I'm a pretty big CCR fan. So, and and plus it's got voodoo hoodoo is uh, coming up and that's a big like Fogarty kind of a thing that he, hoodoo. Yeah. Yeah. He'll do songs about. So, and, I think it's a pretty cool song. I mean, it's not it's not great, but uh, it, it it has that element to it, and it's kind of cool to hear to realize that, or at least in my own head, to think, wow, it's Aerosmith and it's kind of CCR also, right? So it's, it makes it more interesting for me. So I'm going to go with my girl. Um, my girl, I thought was the theme for the uh, much uh, forgotten Macaulay Culkin Anna Klumsky vehicle. <laughs> Where uh, it's the most, it's right after <laughs> Home Alone, and you think it's going to be a little kid romance, then Macaulay Culkin dies of a horrible bee attack. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of a movie is this? Terrible. You know? I remember watching that and being like, what just happened? Like, oh, I love Turn Macaulay my world Culkin. Upside down. He's holding hands with Anna Klumsky, and here comes a f- 
bee's nest, <laughs> and now he's dead. Yeah. That didn't have to happen. Talk about Clint Eastwood twist that I never wanted to see, like Million Dollar Babies. What are you talking about? He should yeah. have been washing his hands more thoroughly. <laughs> his immune system would have been strong. Wash more hands, lick less buttholes. Exactly. Um, my Girl, super, uh, super filler song. <laughs> <laughs> Barely remember it after I just listened to it two days ago. All I'm thinking about is the Anna. I, just, I love the word when you're talking about a movie. The Anna Klumsky Macaulay Culkin vehicle. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think the Ted Danson might have been that too, or something. Dan Aykroyd was the. Oh, so uh, he was right. like the the stepdad. He was Mr. Mr. Saltonfuss. What? Veda Saltonfuss was the girl's name. How? How do you remember this? That's the only thing I remember. I don't remember what what well, Chriselle was talking. That's a about. hell of a thing to remember. <laughs> Vita Slotenfuss. Well, it's an Salton puss. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, hey boy, don't you lie on the track like a hey boy. That's I like that part better than anything. My girl, so I'm going to go with Hey My Jerry. But both of them can jump off a cliff, and I could care less about either song. Hmm. Um, Hangman Jury has, is the best interpretation of the blues by a white man since Mississippi Gary. <laughs> Who's Mississippi Gary? He was Mark McKin- Mark McKinney on Kids in the Hall. <laughs> when he was the blues man. Great Kids in the Hall reference. Um, oh boy. I liked My Girl a lot better. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was one of the best on Pump. Wow, interesting. Call me crazy. I enjoyed it. You're crazy. Yep. Wow, okay. You make sense. My girl, LinkedIn, to get she it, breathes hellfire. Right. It's a good line. Yeah, I mean for me the the uh you know the 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 hey boy, don't you? Whatever he's saying there, I on the track of It's clearly a reference to. Didn't they use sl- slave labor to lay down all the railroad tracks across America? And I think it was, you know, since Lead Belly sang it, it's like Could a, be. it's Could like be. a slave song. Oh, it's not, not what I want to hear on a party album, you know. Yeah. Um, so my girl, <laughs> you, 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 you know. I mean, if I'm at a party where people are into that song, I'm leaving that party. Yeah. Because uh, they're going to be busting out the white sheets and God knows what else. Um, so then we transition. How much else can you use, by the way? So then we transition. These are reasonable discussions. Come on. He has a, he has a, a, a worldly audience. Very much appreciate so. appreciate this. They're going to appreciate it. Um, so you you switch over to my girl talking about she's a bear, rhyming bareback rider with Lady Godiva. I mean, it's all about the lyrics for <laughs> that, my girl. Hold on, bareback rider with Lady Godiva. Yeah, that's I mean, great. it's it's excellent, sweeter than honey from a honeybee. I mean, come on, well, that's is blues, isn't that blues? Stuff? Yeah, but yeah. it's also delivered alongside references to cats o nine tails and. <laughs> And other so- sorts of things. It's pretty deep. I mean, yeah, it's excellent. I mean, it's by the way, did you just say uh, uh, want to be your honeybee? Yeah. See, it is related to the Macaulay Culkin and a Klumsky vehicle. Wow. What, In fact, what, uh, I, th- yeah. I think on Urban Dictionary, Klumsky is a term for analingus. So. <laughs> hey, it is now. <laughs> it is now. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those names like yeah. Tracy Scoggins, like yeah. Klumsky. Yeah. Best name ever. Yeah. Klumsky equals now analingus. <laughs> Kind of like a, what is a, it? and Harold and Kumar Blumpkin. It's oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I was actually yeah. thinking Blumpkin. Yeah. That's so funny. Are enough people doing this to where uh, you need a name for it? It's always been my question about Blumpkin. Yeah. Not anymore, thanks to coronavirus. Jesus thanks a lot, Jesus coronavirus. coronavirus. Uh, just for the record, uh, Chris L., can you explain what uh, a Blumpkin is? It's uh, when... Uh, <laughs> like, when you're, when you're uh, a girl's giving you a head while you're sitting on the toilet taking a shit. Hey... How you doing? Guantanamo Bay masterpiece. 
<laughs> right up there with McGruber. Oh, thank you, thank you, thanks, guys. Comedies. Appreciate that. But yeah, my girl for me. Okay, way, way out of it. Uh, as we get down towards the end of the record, uh, the girl keeps coming apart. Versus, don't get mad, get even. You want to start this one, Andy? Sure. Um, this is another one where I don't have a ton to say. Neither song really jumps out at me. Um, but I would pick Girl Keeps Coming Apart. Interesting, I guess you'd say spoken word section at the beginning where he's talking about an old floozy flopping in the wind, titties and all. That's before the song starts. That's what Steven Tyler's wow. talking about. Yeah. So How does that not draw you in? <laughs> it does, but as far as the actual song... I'd give it like a, a six or seven on a 10 point scale, but I like it better than don't get mad, get it, get even. So there you go. Nick. Interesting. Well, at least I found an interesting little uh, fact that I read about don't get mad, get even. Apparently uh, Joe Perry, for some reason, ran ragdoll backwards, listened to it backwards, figured out the chord progression and timing and built don't get mad, get even around that. Really? That's off that, of what tune? Off of off of Ragdoll. No kidding. That's that's the story. Weird. Um, I'm not a big fan of "Don't Get Mad, Get Even." I like that um, there's a reference to Sally in the alley. Mm. I don't know if it's a re- if that's a direct reference to the uh, great Robert Palmer song "Sneaking Sally Through the Alley." I think it has something to do with Sally Struthers. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you can mention Struthers on a show, it's <laughs> Analingus Queen, Sally Struthers. <laughs> How do you think she kept Meathead around? <laughs> Why do you think he put up with all that abuse from the father-in-law? <laughs> Your father-in-law is an asshole, but if it wasn't for this butt-licking, I'd be out of here. Yeah. Um, I'm going Girl Keeps Coming Apart. I, I've always liked that song from when I had the tape when I was seven years old. And in listening to it recently in preparation, I noticed that the guitar solo has an Eddie Van Halen kind of a vibe. It does. Which uh, it's very unusual to hear. Well, from that, but that would clearly have been played by Whit. I was going to say that. Because oh, he's okay. m- yeah. the way more of the technical, yes. smooth, fluid player. Yeah. So um, That could be then. So... Uh, I think it absolutely is. I don't okay. think Joe Perry would even I agree. attempt that. Hmm. I agree. Um, it's not his style. So I'll I'll just cut in here. What did you say, What did you choose? Girl oh, keeps coming okay. apart. Yeah, and I I choose that as well. And listening back uh, to Permanent Vacation, this this song really jumped out at me as one of the best on the whole album. Both of those solo sections, the both the two guitar solo sections, the band is just slamming mm-hmm. on those. The great bass playing those those insistent thrusts from the horn section coming in and punctuating everything. I mean, the energy on that is, yeah. is excellent. Just to me, torches don't get mad, get even. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of song titles, vastly superior. You see, you, you see a song, Girl Keeps Coming Apart. You're like, what the hell is this going to be about? Mm-hmm. I have to listen. The other, Don't Get Mad, Get Even. Uh, it's, it's a bumper trite. sticker. Yeah, yeah. It's a keel song. <laughs> Right, which that's nothing that anyone should aspire to, to mimic a keel. So. <laughs> um, much like what you guys said, a girl keeps my part. This, this one, when I first heard the record, <laughs> what are you laughing at? They're still laughing about, from before. About Keel? About uh, Sally Struthers. I think it's about <laughs> Sally Struthers. I love Girl Keeps Coming Apart from when I first heard the record because that jam section in the middle, it's like, I, 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 oh, yeah. it's almost like a Blues Brothers, like, and I love, there's a song on the Synchronicity record called Oh My God by the Police, and there's, there's it's not a similar jam, but there's a part where they just jam, 
And I love it when you get a rock and roll band who just jams. And there's probably, I think there's probably six lyrics in the whole song. The rest is just the solo sections back and forth. But there's a great part at the end of the song where Steven does a little spoken word. Mm. And I almost could say it verbatim, but I looked up to make sure. So there she was, buns up and kneeling. That's right. I yeah. was a wheeling and a dealing, my ace in the hole, so to speak. I, I forgot to mention that, yes. Uh, I mean, buns up and kneeling. kneeling. That's right there. It's my over. ace in the hole, yeah. so to speak. In fact, that, really? was, that was a line of dialogue from Macaulay Culkin in that movie. <laughs> in, that, in the vehicle of it would, with Kolsky. It, it would make sense that Steven Tyler would get together with Luther Campbell and work on something <laughs> like that with that theme. <laughs> That's what, he thought. He thought it was. He thought it was the Run DMC thing worked. That's so right. Well. He thought it was two live crew, and it was Run DMC. He got it mixed up. But a girl kissing about one of the highlights of the record for me. And uh, uh, don't get mad. Get even. One of the stock, like you said, we need a song. Write something up. Spend ten minutes on it, and off you go. So bad uh, fight between those two because girl's the winner there. We're gonna flip flop Angel like we said at the beginning. So next up will be Permanent Vacation versus Voodoo Medicine Man. We're going to once again go with Chris Ells uh, to start the debate between these two. All four of us did some great homework to prepare for this classic album clash. We all listened to both Aerosmith albums, but I bet my listening experience was way better than everyone else's because I listened to Permanent Vacation and Pump through my Raycon wireless earbuds. Now, you know how much I love these earbuds. Everything sounds great with Raycons. And the new Raycon Everyday E25 earbuds are the best ones yet. They got six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, can never have too much bass and a more compact design. And they're like half the price of those other wireless earbuds in the market. You know which ones I'm talking about. The Raycons, these Raycons also have a great noise isolating fit. So when I'm listening to Aerosmith at home with my whole family at home, crazy family circus, I'll listen to something different and YouTube and everything. The only thing I heard was Aerosmith. They're super comfortable as well. I can wear them for hours and nearly forget they're in my ears, even when I'm sleeping. I go to sleep with my Raycons in and uh, don't feel any pressures or problems at all. And that's probably why everyone from Chris Jericho to Mike Tyson to Snoop Dogg are loving the Raycon E25s as well. So get yourself a pair of Raycons so you can social distance and comfort and style surrounded by killer audio and without breaking your bank. I'm going to make it easy for you right now. You can get an extra 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Jericho. That's buyraycon.com slash Jericho for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. See how good Talk is Jericho sounds on Raycons. Go to buyraycon.com slash Jericho and go do it now. We're going to flip-flop Angel, like you said. So now we go to the title track, Permanent Vacation versus Voodoo Medicine Man. Uh, Chris, you want to start this one? Yeah, I would say these are probably, uh, respectively, my two least favorite cuts on either album. And um, I'm going to give the nod to, um, reluctantly, to Hoodoo Voodoo Medicine Man, because... Just, Medicine Man. Yeah, just, again, just too too much of a nod to the blues for my taste, but... On the flip side, you've got friggin' permanent vacation. You got a steel drum in there. It's like their their attempt to be Jimmy Buffett, and I hate Jimmy Buffett. And that whole scene that he represents, like boat culture and people who, you know, wearing flip flops and going on vacation and stuff, it's just like those, those assholes going on vacation and shit. But the way the way they vacation and they're, you know, the whole just everything about the whole Jimmy Buffett parrot head scene just is. Oh, so I, so revulsive. I frankly am surprised that you don't have any appreciation, uh, at least lyrically, for permanent vacation because he says in there that 
he wants a suntan where the sun never shines. Yeah, but even no, that. I'm surprised that, that didn't just sway it for you. <laughs> no, it's just that that whole Jimmy Buffett vibe just destroyed it for me immediately. So out out the window for that one. All right, uh, Nick. Um, Chris uh, L is going to be upset, but uh, Permanent Vacation probably my second favorite song on that record. Mm-hmm. Always loved it. It's a. I think it's it's a great song. Real catchy. I love the lyrics. Um, I mean, it ended up being the the title of the album. It, which is kind of funny because it's one of those one of those songs that is pretty pretty obscure. I would yeah, say, yeah, yeah. And even though the album's named after it. Voodoo Medicine Man didn't really do anything for me, even though. Like I said, for my girl, I love the whole CCR kind of thing and hoodoo voodoo medicine, man. Just that title alone screams CCR. Hoodoo. That's that's a John Fogarty. That's a lost album, yeah. Yeah. Um, But the song itself didn't really do it for me. Um, So, yeah, I'm going Permanent Vacation. I always loved it. I, I really like Permanent Vacation, too. And once again, you're thinking of this from a kid who's a metal guy. In 1987, so I'm already been you know, made into Metallica or my bands, but I like Permanent Vacation because I love the chorus. I love the fact they use "I really, really need it." San Tropez, gonna get a Sun San Tropez. See, that's exactly. And then it ends. It ends with the the kettle drums, steel drums, random orangutan noises, and jungle birds. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm in. I dig it. I love the I love the name Permanent Vacation for a band like Aerosmith. It's, it's like mm-hmm. nonstop party, and much like the two song downswing on Permanent of St. John Hangman Jury, uh, Pump has a three song for me where it's My Girl, Don't Get Mad, and Hoodoo Medicine Man. Voodoo Medicine Man couldn't even tell you how any of those songs goes, and I just listened to them literally three hours ago after my match when I was at the arena because it was the last songs I hadn't heard and I'm like I don't remember any of these I just remember that voodoo medicine man there's some kind of weird voice thing Uh, permanent vacation wins for me same here permanent vacation Um, kind of going the opposite of what Chris said Chris L I kind of like the steel drums in a rock song I don't think I like steel drums in like a Jimmy Buffett style song that's not my thing either but in a rock song it's kind of different in a rock song that's called Permanent Vacation like come party with us forever why not it's like Sammy Hagar's life is a permanent vacation (laughs) Aerosmith was trying to you know foreshadow that yeah I'm into it so that's my choice all right, now we get to the last song on the record a huge battle between two number one songs uh, the big monster ballads, Angel uh, versus What It Takes. And um, let's just get a little research here. I want to find out who wrote these tunes. I think Angel was... A, uh, Angel. That's Desmond Child. I, I thought yeah, it was. Steven I, Tyler and Desmond Child. Angel, Steven yeah. Tyler, Desmond Child. What It Takes, Steven Tyler and Desmond Child. That mother Desmond Child, man. That guy can write a chorus yeah. like no other. I mean, come on, dude. Like, what a, what a great... Uh, what a great songwriter. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, so Angel, yeah, is a Steven, or is a Desmond Child. So um, I'll, I'll start this one off. It's tough because so Angel, 87 is when uh, I started grade 12, which was your senior year. I had a crush on this girl named Karen McFarlane. Karen, if you're listening, I wish things could have been different. She won't be listening. But um, she's a huge pot of thunder fan. She's <laughs> big listening. Time, big time. Mention it on ours. Because, <laughs> but, but 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 the 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 fall of '87 is when Dude came out because mm-hmm. that's when the record came out. So as the as the time goes on, Ragdoll was the second single. I graduated in 
uh, June of 88, which was right around Angel, which was probably, I'd say, March or April of 88 when it came out. So I was so obsessed with this chick, and I was like, Angel was like, I was like envisioning her was my angel. Yeah. Uh, what a great chorus. Uh, heartbreaking, because I never was able to get my angel. But dude, like that is the epitome of a great rock and roll ballad. And once again, at five minutes long, that's a long tune, man, for mm-hmm. for for a uh, for a ballad. And then the third huge single on Pump, also five minutes long. Yeah, uh, love the fact, girl. Before I met you, I was fi any fine. Now loves to take me prisoner. My heart's been doing time. I like when they call back to old yeah. songs. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's a tough one. Angel's great. I'm gonna have to give the nod to what it takes. I just think the chorus. Uh, Jesus, it's tough. They're bo- they're both a nine point nine and a nine point nine one. Uh, it's Angel, Karen McFarlane. I love you. Next, <laughs> Nick. Um, <laughs> you know, I was talking to Karen McFarlane backstage before. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Karen McFarlane backstage before. <laughs> Buns up and kneeling. <laughs> I was yeah. a wheeling and dealing. Um, My ace in the hole, so to speak. Uh, I like, you know, the thing that always stood out to me is I like, it, it almost seems like a, a brave move to put an accordion on there. It works really, the way that they use yeah. it during the chorus works really well. Mm. Really great touch. Um, I'm going with Angel, however. Um, in my opinion, up there with like Home Sweet Home is like the great power ballad of all time. Wow. In my opinion. Yeah. It, it's, it, I'm not a huge power ballad guy, but Angel every time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying both of them start with the little drum. Little yeah, drum that's thing true. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's Angel is yours? Angel. Okay, got it. Angel as well. Um, there was a period of my life, I bet you guys maybe were the same way, at least at some point, where you really probably didn't want to admit that you liked power ballads. Were you like, oh, that's stupid. I only like the fast songs for the guys yelling the whole time. Maybe not for you guys, but that's how <laughs> I felt. But as I got older, I could really appreciate power ballads and stuff that maybe I didn't think was as uh, cool or for whatever bogus image I wanted to portray. Love, is for, love is for suckers kind of a mentality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, both great. It's no surprise that after these two songs, Aerosmith just kept drilling in that direction of like, let's keep cranking out these ballads because we're awesome at this. But they got wimpier and wimpier as they went they along. Did, That's the they, problem. But they stayed popular Dude, for dude they made years. huge, huge hits from yeah, it. Yeah. But I, I got further and further away from these albums, even for me. They, and for a guy like Charlie, these albums were further and further away from the Toys in the Attic era. Yeah. Well, but I mean, there's Dream On. That's the uh, These kind of songs are sort of the foundation but, of their but, success. But you can't compare Dream On to I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Sure. That's oh, the, hell no. the, yeah. the epitome of just a shit, terrible pandering yeah. garbage. But there's something we talk about on Pot of Thunder pretty often, and it's that sometimes people forget that this is a job for these people. Right. And it's like, well, if we just made all this money and we bought a boat, now we're part of boat, boat culture... <laughs> And we really like let's it. Do it. Let's do it again because I liked making all that money but and it worked. Sure, and I feel yeah. like these two songs in a row, it's like, all right, we got two. Let's do one That's or two on every point. album. And, and and get a grip had had one on it as well. Mm-hmm. Crazy and crazy, you know, you know, amazing, uh, amazing. Right, amazing was the third album closer of this giant ballad. Yeah. And I know even from our band. Listen, I love our faster tunes than the heavier ones, but the ones that made us the money are the radio tunes, and they're great to play. But once in a while. 
I'm like, if we just get another like, you know, Sin and Bones faster, and they're like, well, the producers want them. Like, yeah, that stupid producer wants us to make money and have hits. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Can right? we just do a thrash song just for me? Yeah. But I can I can kind of see that you know when you you know they're make these. This is where Aerosmith became huge again. Yes, there's the dude looks like a ladies. Yes, there's the fines. But it was the angel, what it takes, amazings that really, or even living uh, on the edge. That's a kind of a ballad yeah, that, too. That's in there too. That's what made them even bigger than they were was because of those type of tunes. And remember, they're not twenty five years old at that point either. Like right. I said, they they got bills, they got families, they want to make money. They lost everything in the seventies, yeah. so they basically have nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. So there you go. So what did you choose? I chose Angel. Angel, gotcha. But I like them both. But Angel yeah. wins. Chris. Yeah, I I've never had any qualms about. Admitting that I'm a sucker for a great power ballad, and both of these fit the bill. There, there was a time when I would hear "What It Takes" in the late '80s and just sit there marveling at what a great song it is, lyrically everything. But I'm going to give the nod to Angel. That here comes my story of heartbreak oh, that boy. I alluded to earlier. Again, very similar to what um, Chris over there related, which proof. Speaking of related proof that we are probably brothers, mm-hmm. write me into the will immediately. That's my <laughs> request. You owe it to me because um, he's going first. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. In, into my will or to Ted's will? Because Ted's got a lot of debt. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> your world. Um, but no, uh, I I I also know the name Laurel Gray was mm. the name of the young lady. Laurel. I was in, I was in college Laurel. at that time. Made a mixtape for her. That's of, it's of, huge. Of all ballads like this, Angel was on it. Broken Hearts by Living Color was on it. Wow. Sweetheart Like You, Bob Dylan was on it. Damn. Some other stuff didn't work. Didn't achieve the desired result. Well, those are kind of broken-hearted songs to send her. Yeah, but not necessarily. I mean, oh. the, the title of the Living Color song is doesn't necessarily reflect. Maybe you should have went with Open Letter to a Landlord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's or not funny, that was a fire. Funny vibe would have been another good one. How so many people die. Yeah. Isn't this great, baby? Yeah, that's another one. That's, that's their Janie's got a gun. It's like, when I hear about like slum lords killing people, I don't know. But anyway, I put Angel, Angel was the centerpiece of a classic mixtape of ballads that I made for her. Got zero ghosted response. you yeah. deserved zero Essentially, response that's what <laughs> you know what the problem was when you when you listed the mixtape you actually pulled a freudian slip and called it angel lingus <laughs> yes yeah um what? so anyway similar story but angel that mellotron line yes. is awesome and just when it boils right down to it as i was listening to these songs again Angel gave me the chills at yeah. times. Gave me the goosebumps. There's that part, baby, baby, baby. It's so yeah. good. And the, then they yeah. cut in with that mellotron. It's, it's a great really melody good. line. And the, the, yeah, and the chord progression is just huge. You know, it's awesome. funny. Once when I had Desmond on Talk is Jericho, I went to Spotify and found a Desmond Child playlist with all of these songs on mm. it. Like, if there was ever a guy that was just born to write 
memorable, amazing choruses. Incredibly talented. What else I like too about what it takes is it's the end of the record. And so it, it fades out. There's a nice let go, let go, let go, which goes and then it ends with like some other kind of accordion and Steven Tyler does some like, thank you so much for listening to the record and we'll see you soon or some like some carnival barker it's, thing, right? Yeah, I like I do like that that he and that seems to be I'm just speculating all Steven Tyler like of like course. like getting because he seems like so hyper so the like so willing with so any Youngman vaudeville yeah rock just and so roll willing guy. to like okay here's something that's like uh, kitsch but I'm gonna put it in there Steven anyway. Tyler late 80s Tyler Perry if you will <laughs> Steven Tyler and Dave Lee Roth are cut from the same cloth oh yeah absolutely you know, totally. Yeah, like you said, carnival barkers, yeah, showmen, MCs, yeah, showmen, vaudevillian showmen with the athleticism, Catskill uh, uh, vaudevillians. Oh, and something else I wanted to mention about '80s Aerosmith, and and if you if you if you claim that you never had these thoughts, you're lying. So I don't want to hear your lies. (laughs) Harry and Tyler, their nipple game was strong in the '80s. Huge. (laughs) I mean, perfect. Huge. Areolas. Yeah. The color was perfect. Great, like Bruce Lee muscle chest, exactly but, the, but, but right. it doesn't stick out at all. See, he knows. It's flat, but the, but the, but it's there. Right. Yeah. And look at yeah, the nipple yeah. game. Like I'm pumped. Those guys were on the keto diet before it was uh, <laughs> taking over the nation. Keto spelled C O C A I N E. Yeah, but, but yeah. there's nothing worse than an ugly nipple. They didn't have that. They had great nipples. Day. Yeah, they did. Great he abs. Knows. Great, great, yeah. uh, great pecs. Boy, did they recover from the depths they, of their heroin well, dude, They were still on all the yayo, which yeah, is the reason why the nipple game was yeah. good. Um, two great records here. Uh, it's one of those things like once again when you listen to them through and kind of become reacquainted with them which one uh, which do you like best what's the favorite here who's the winner let's start with you Nick um, it, it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be and it always is because yeah. you forget because right? I went I, I had consistently every once in a while popped in permanent vacation uh, pump not really um, the some of the deeper cuts on pump really impressed me it's much much better album i liked it a lot more than i remember liking it yeah uh all that said i'm gonna go permanent vacation it's just oh, wow. yeah i mean and if you go by the numbers i'm pretty sure i went with more choices off of that album mm-hmm. so it's just plus you know and there's sentimental value my first my first piece of rock music that i ever owned right here this cassette there's that I love the well. fact that you pulled up this cassette because I had it too. And I remember I had I literally have not seen this picture of them in jail in thirty years. Yeah, like literally, like that's so cool to see that because as soon as you as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I remember that picture, man. I don't remember the nipple game on Pump, but I remember them in jail. <laughs> oh, I mean, look at that. Come and, on. I mean, Whitford's even wearing a jail jumpsuit. Like he's super f- loaded. Barely showed up for the. <laughs> For the photo shoot, I heard his nipple game is unpredictable. Bad nipple game, <laughs> best. He was always told wear a shirt. Exactly. Inconsistent. We don't know what that means. And wear a shirt, Whitford. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do know what that means, Chris. And the- wear a shirt. Um, uh, again, by the numbers and just overall preference, permanent vacation. It uh, it harkens more back to classic Aerosmith while keeping it modern. And then, you know, taking it as a whole, you can toss in the Beatles cover, which is great. It is great, yeah. Uh, the movie, I don't know what the it's, hell that it's, is. I don't know why they, I think they, need, they probably signed a contract for 12 yeah, songs on the record. I don't know what, what that's by, by the way, we, and we didn't get to talk about it because it wasn't one, but I'm down. 
it's a great Beatles rocker where yeah, Paul absolutely. Paul sings like Little Richard by design. So Tyler's basically doing Little Richard, which mm-hmm. his voice is very mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. good. It's worth checking out and uh, definite, definite, great. T- it shouldn't have been a B side. It should have been on the record, and it was. Yep. Um, I go back to what you guys said. It's a lot closer than I thought, but listening to it, I'm going with Permanent Vacation. I thought Permanent Vacation was a runaway winner. But Pump was a lot closer than I thought. But Permanent Vacation uh, wins like, what well, I don't know, six to four, maybe. Is that what you had? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's close, but yeah. Well, and once again, the, the, as we always say, the classic album clash, both of these albums are, are great. Mm-hmm. They're, they're amazing. They're classic albums. That's why they're here. Yeah. Uh, to me, it was the opposite. If you would have sat me down and said, do you want to put on Permanent Vacation or Pump? I probably went Permanent because Dude Looks Like a Lady is such a monster. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite of all the songs on the record. But I find that they're dirtier, slimier, uh, and more riff-oriented on Pump. Um, it's a little bit smoother on on Permanent Vacation. Once again, I love it. But being coming reacquainted with with Fine, Elevator, I don't know I didn't pick Monkey, but, or I did pick Monkey, but uh, Other Side just just those ones alone mm-hmm. the riffs are dirty the groove is there if you go back and listen i might have even chose more songs on permanent but to me pump is is the one that i would go to because of just it's a little dirtier and a little bit rougher and i, I remember seeing that the band at that tour that was with skid row and it was really killer so great records great band and uh great stuff guys i'm glad you're able to come back and be on our show yeah, thank you and the crazy thing is i'm like oh this has been pretty short like 45 minutes we've been doing this for 90 minutes already <laughs> Jeez, it's Time crazy flies. great stuff so um uh thanks to uh to all you guys to tyler perry if you're listening uh analingus are us uh, uh laurel, laurel laurel and karen uh we miss you babes and um we don't want double bass in our aerosmith and no social issues other than that uh go over to pot of thunder and you can hear plenty of uh episodes with me on them Including yeah, 10. Or, uh, actually, 10, no, yeah. soon to be 11, maybe, maybe. 12. Who knows? Know. Who knows? We're going to do one right now. The Let's number is increasing. Usually, by this time, we're so loaded. Well, we're slash me, but I'm not. I feel good. So we're oh, you're going to you're gonna fall off the ledge real quick. <laughs> That's right. Tune in well, we, actually have a bal- we have, actually have a balcony in this penthouse popper. Really? So don't let me fall off. <laughs> I don't right, think yeah. we do. But uh, Great <laughs> stuff, guys. And uh, uh, support Aerosmith. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you.